She comes to us today from Long Beach. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Zoe Nicholson. Well, thank you, Claudia. I'm so happy to be talking to your audience today. I have to say, I I just turned 71, and the fact is, I had no idea that 40 years of study, 40 years of my head down looking at books and newspapers, would suddenly all come together, and what I know is suddenly of use to people. It's really thrilling that uh, here we are in 2019 looking at 2020, and it seems like I know things people want to hear about, and that just is so much fun. Absolutely. Well, so I'd like to start with, as I am with my other voices for this New Year's Eve messages, tell us where we are headed into the year of 2020. What does it mean to you, Zoe Nicholson? Well, it's there used to be a phrase that was used a few decades ago, a harmonic conversion. And I feel like this is the harmonic conversion of my obsession with Miss Alice Paul. I really didn't know that much about her except that she had written the ERA. I had fasted for the ERA in 1982. So I decided I wanted to know everything about her. And the the thing about my study is it wasn't just books, because there were people still alive, and there are today, by the way, who knew her. Wow. So I set off to speak with every single person I could who knew her to tell me about her and what was she like. And uh, in 40 years of study, I feel like, I actually know how she would think about something, how she would feel about something, what she would have to say about something. And this year, it's so hard to believe that we are celebrating the centennial of the 19th Amendment, and simultaneously, we will be celebrating the final 38th state of the Equal Rights Amendment, and both of these spring from the heart of Alice Paul. And the 38th state is the state of Virginia. Well, we believe so. I mean, we have commitment. Uh, there are now 51 seats that have turned blue. I don't know how much you paid attention. Not many people might have, but I was, that there were all kinds of people, famous and important, canvassing the districts for that vote to turn 51 seats blue in the state so they have the votes and it is also hj1 and that means that you know they number the bills that it's going to be the first bill they vote on okay so the state of virginia will be voting on martin luther king holiday they're coming together they are meeting that day even though it's a holiday and they're going to vote on hj and sj the joint bill Number one, which is to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. That will be the final requirement of 38 states. So when listeners are hearing a, they're hearing a range of interpretations of when was, is there a deadline by which the ERA amendment approval state to state ended? 
there's some confusion. Help us clarify the status of the ERA adoption toward the 38th state. You know, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite stories. Yes. Dr. Bernice Sandler, who was the godmother of Title IX, Mm. She was one of the women I called, and I said, you knew Alice, didn't you? And she said, yes. And she, Bernice, people called her Bunny, (laughs) had testified in Congress on behalf of the Equal Rights Amendment. And Congress, uh, you know, was not too far from where Alice was living. And when the Judiciary Committee voted yes, they ran and knocked on the door to tell Alice the great news. Wow. Yeah. And they said, they've, they've approved it. It's going out to the states. It's going to go out to the states for ratification. And Alice said, well, was there a deadline? Imagine she's 85 years old. Right. And she says, well, was there a deadline? And the women told her yes. And Alice looked at them and said, it will never pass. And the reason she said that was that all the men's amendments, all 27, never had a deadline. None of the men's amendments had a deadline. The Madison Amendment, which was assuring Congress members salary raises, it took 203 years to pass. Wow. There's no deadline on men. But there was an artificial deadline of seven years imposed on the Equal Rights Amendment in 1971. And I said to Bunny, I said, well, why didn't they bring Alice to testify? <laughs> she right. wrote it. Right. Why didn't they? Because well, she was getting pretty Bunny, infirm. Bunny started crying. We're on the phone. And she said, Zoe, I've never forgotten that we were young women And we just thought Alice was an old lady in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And Alice was never just an old lady in a wheelchair. No. Alice knew instantly that they had done what men always do. They put a time limit. We have a time limit on reporting a rape. We have a time limit on the testing of rape kits. We have a time limit on the Equal Rights Amendment. We have time limits, which was one way to make certain they could defeat it. And so at the time, very smartly, they understood, well, we'll give the ladies seven years to get 38 states. Of course, the only thing we have to do is stop that 38, which is true. The first 37, they could let fly by. They just simply need to make sure that 38 weren't ratified in seven years. So in 1979, there were marchers, probably some of your listeners, were out there marching to extend the deadline. And my regret now, I mean, I have the wisdom of a rearview mirror. I can see that what we should have been marching for was to delete the deadline, not extend it. Correct. And we got another three years and three months. And so the deadline moved to June 30th. 1982, which was 40 days after the fast began. We fasted for 37 days. And I must say that (laughs) when the 38th state ratifies the ERA on June 20th, 2020, the year of the centennial, then we have to go to court and get the deadline declared unconstitutional. 
And that, where does that take place? Takes place in Congress? Well, it's going to start in the appeals court here. Okay. You know, this is red hot news. Just in this month, this last month of December 2019, we had three states, Louisiana, South Dakota, and Alabama, raise up their heads and declare that they want any states ratifying after the deadline to be declared, uh, you know, non-binding. So we're going to see it travel through the courts. That's expected. Okay. Certainly we know that women are prepared. We're prepared for anything. Right. And there are attorneys, a, 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 a whole gaggle of attorneys, who have been preparing now for years to have the deadline declared unconstitutional. So there will be many, many commemorations for the, I mean, there will be all this political activity and joy in recognizing the centennial of the women's right to vote in the 19th Amendment. Let's talk about what's going to be happening starting with the New Year's commemoration in Pasadena. Well, Claudia, set your alarm for tomorrow morning. Holy Toledo, set it for 5.30. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'll try. Because our local channel in Los Angeles and, I'm, and, and all around the world, there will be the Rose Parade. And uh, here locally, there is a little show that we have on the Los Angeles, uh, Southern California stations that's going to highlight some of the local floats. Okay. So, believe it or not, around the world, no matter where your listeners are, slot 24 will be, for the first time in history, a suffrage float. And you will know it by the fact that it has got a 30-foot Statue of Liberty on it. And the Pasadena committee's been working on it for a year now, and it's going to be thrilling. On the float are going to be descendants of Susan B. Anthony, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, all kinds of amazing people who have legacy and also some current people. On that float will also be Dolores Huerta. And, and in addition to the people on the float, there will be 100 pe- women and a few men walking in whites with a sash and a hat and a sign commemorating the original marches that women did to get the float federally approved in 1920. We're just kicking off here the whole year with uh, the float. And, you know, there are commissions everywhere in this country. All 50 states are participating. Most cities are participating. Even the federal government has a commission on the status of women that are working on the centennial. Now, I personally have a chip on my shoulder. I don't think it's as big as the bicentennial we had in 1976. However, I hope I'm wrong. I hope when all is said and done and we get to August 26th in 2020 and we celebrate that that last date that Harry Byrne did what his mother asked him to do, which was remember the women, and he voted yes on our ability to vote, I hope that, you know, the country is bursting with pride that women can vote. For those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Ask a Leader. My guest is Zoe Nicholson, a scholar of Alice Paul, who was the central architect, the strategist for the 19th Amendment that has given 
the granted the women in the United States the right to vote. We're talking about the centennial that will be represented on the Rose Bowl float. And I think because it's going to be quite the election year, it's a census taken year that this you're going to be providing Zoe a lot of optics for people to tack on to which which with such a broad demographic you're smart enough to incorporate in this float Tilla <laughs> well and and I must tell you I mean the silliest most fun most wonderful things are happening Utah just created a suffrage license plate and Nevada just created a centennial license plate on cars for cars. I know that we've requested that uh, we do that here in the State House in California. I still have yet to hear about it. There are celebrations, and even if you just go online and, and you Google, like, suffered centennial, you will see that every state in the country is working on some kind of celebration. And the epicenter actually is a California group called the National Women's History Alliance. They just changed their name. It's now the National Women's History Alliance. You can look that up online. Okay. And they have papers and they have party supplies and they have books and banners and all kinds of things that the League of Women Voters, the National Women's Political Caucus, the National Organization for Women, AAUW, the American Association of University Women, <laughs> every single one of them have plans to celebrate 100 years since the ratification of the 19th Amendment granting women the right to vote. And so, Zoe, how do you see this commemoration having value in the necessary mobilization of every eligible voter to follow all the way through? Well, you asked the right question, and I hope your listeners are also asking that question. I am the director of the Long Beach Suffrage 100, and um, I'm lucky that they like my edgy attitude, yeah. <laughs> and our one of our mottos is, suffrage is unfinished business. Because even though the 19th Amendment doesn't mention anything except granting the vote to women, black women didn't get to vote until the Civil Rights Act, 1965, right. and the disenfranchisement of women still goes on because of poll taxes and gerrymandering all kinds of things, and that's why uh, a great woman from uh, Georgia, Stacey Abrams, started an organization called Fair Fight 2020, and I mention it because just this month, in December, in the middle of this month, they were able to get 500,000 voters back in Georgia yeah. on the roll to be able to vote, and that kind of movement is going on around the country because... For me and the Long Beach Suffrage 100, what we really want to do is make sure every American has access to the vote. That's what I hope the centennial is going to mm. mean in every city, every village, every school, every library, wherever there are displays, exhibits. The Library of Congress has a great exhibit. The National Portrait Gallery does. Uh, I was just at the Huntington Library 
in Los Angeles County. They have a great display about Susan B. Anthony. Oh, really? Okay. I'm hoping that everyone takes it seriously, that what happened with the 19th Amendment was saying every American, one vote, one vote for one person, regardless of race, regardless of sex, regardless. And now we need to make sure that we have access to that vote. Uh, I know other countries have given a day off so people can commute, or there are cities where buses are free that day. There is talk of actually automatically registering 18-year-olds on their birthday. Anything we can do to make sure every single American gets one vote is, I believe, the unfinished business of suffrage. So... To ask the last question here, I'd like to know, Zoe Nicholson, what is your New Year's message to all listeners? I'm struck by a photograph, one of my favorite photographs of Alice Paul. She had written the Equal Rights Amendment in 1923 after getting three law degrees in two Mm. years. And she was going to announce the Equal Rights Amendment, so she went to the grave of Susan B. Anthony. And if you look it up online, it's a really famous photo, you can search for it, of Alice kneeling at Susan B. Anthony's grave. Okay. These women, these single, child-free, radical women who broke the law, who risked their lives, who spent their entire lives, Alice lived to 92, working on the rights of women... And I want you to know, I want your listeners to know, I want to remind myself of the legacy of Susan B. Anthony saying failure is impossible and Alice Paul insisting that women be full citizens in the Constitution. Thank you very much giving well, us happy, that message. Happy New Year, Claudia, and to everyone who's listening. I couldn't be more excited about 2020. Well, I thank you so much for your time, too. Happy New Year to you, Zoe. Zoe Nicholson, my guest, she is the scholar of Alice Paul, whom you've heard mentioned as a central figure, the through line in the activism of these last 100 plus years, Alice Paul being the architect of the 19th Amendment, granting the woman's right to vote. Again, Happy New Year, Zoe. Thank you so much for your time. Happy New Year. Bye.